I'm not sure what you're facing with this upcoming new year, but I can guarantee you that our next guest will inspire you to climb out of your valley and start climbing that mountain. So here we go. Hey, so we have Brian Bushway with us, and we met at a Mosaic conference um, out in California, and we just hit it off while we were there. But you have an incredible story that we are going to inspire our listeners with. Say hello, Brian. Hi, thanks for having me, Clay and Michelle. It's uh, nice to be talking with you today. Now, um, so we met at Mosaic Conference, and there were how many people there? Do you think, Brian? Uh, eight hundred ish. Yeah, it was it was near near a thousand, and you were there with your wife, Michelle. We'll have to. We're going to be coming out to California. We'll all be meeting up, but just an amazing couple and so positive. And Brian, there's something a little different about you than the common guy. What is that? Well. It, Your extreme good uh, looks. Yeah, I, I'm glad. I mean, I was going to go there, but that would have sounded a little too egotistical. Uh, right <laughs> but you're from LA, but, so it's okay. <laughs> all everyone from LA is good looking. All right, we can, I can lean into my Hollywood vanity. <laughs> hey, so bring us back to when you were 15 years old. Bring us back to about that time zone and tell us your story. Yeah, so what is interesting, I think, in my life journey was I am a teacher now and speak on the human senses and how, like, the brain can adapt to new challenges. And when I was a teenager, I was sort of forced into this because I started losing my ability to see, to see patterns of life. I started experiencing vision loss as a teenager. And over a six-month period of time, I went from being functional with, with like ocular vision to then having no light perception and then being stuck in life going, wow, what do you do as a person that is labeled blind or visually impaired? And really what that was, was the beginning of me learning to see in new ways, see myself in new ways, a new relationship in life, a new way of relating to people in the world. But it really created this opportunity to then learn how to use my other senses in much more powerful ways to become, become independent once again, uh, go to school, travel the world, and just do all normal daily life activities. But I think that was what was interesting is that 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 transition and that life journey of becoming an expert in uh, listening and being able to teach others how to you know do things that most people never thought they can do. But yeah, I mean at that at that age, fourteen, fifteen, um, that was. It was a pretty significant uh, disruption in my life that I had in my future at that point. You know, I didn't even know what that could be. 
I didn't know other visually impaired blind people. And I was really at a loss. And, and, and that's when life got actually way more interesting than I ever thought it could have been. Hmm. Now, are you, are you completely blind now? Do you see any light at all? Um, I have no light perception, but the idea of seeing, I would say, yes, <laughs> I actually do see. I image uh, with sound. So this is most of the most, and this is one of my discoveries early on was wow the brain actually images in two ways using patterns of light and then also what science has measured in with MRI scans the brain also images with sound just absolutely and, amazing we yeah uh, so Peter Unger so really, was, Peter Unger is my son-in-law and when I I said. I, I, he, he said, now, do you know that guy? I said, he said, he still rides mountain bikes through echolocation. And I said, there's no way. And then you and me started talking and you described a room to me. There were 800 people all talking over each other. I couldn't understand what anybody else was saying. And I asked you, I said, is it confusing to you? And you go, no, it, I can see the room. And it just blew my mind. And then as I actually got to know you, there's two reasons that we have Brian on Voice of the Lion. And, and one is the incredible things that he's able to do, even though sight has been taken from him. The other thing is, is how positive that Brian is in every situation that I've seen him in. And, then, uh, and that's really where we want to go today is there are people going through what they would consider hard times or through a disability that they feel that they can't make it through. And Brian is a perfect example of what God can do in an individual's life, what an individual can do and stay positive. And uh, what a privilege it is to have him on. That's right. And, and even being able to discover this new way of seeing, I'm so fascinated. I'm like sitting here with my jaw hanging on the ground. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I can't, I, I don't know when you, when you describe, you can see with sound and, and I just think there's times where I'll close my eyes and I can still see images. So, I, and so of course I'm like, I'm crazy. I'm crazy curious about, about this. Is there a name or a, a you know, is it, is this a, a, a scientific discovery or? Well, yeah, it turns out that people have been echolocating and using sound in you know, powerful ways since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. It has been stories since, you know, early ancient man. We used to spend a lot of time traveling at night because before we became the predators, we were the prey. Mm -hmm. And so we did a lot of, you know, traveling at night, hiding in caves. Um, there's stories of, you know, tribes who live in really dense jungles that the, the guards mm -hmm. would be able to develop this sense of hearing to actually tell what was going on in a dark forest. It just wasn't really understood until the last 20 years where the neuroscientists were really curious what was going on in this phenomenon. And, and, and it really became this example of how the human brain can adapt to new challenges. And they call this neuroplasticity. 
Mm, Our brains are more flexible, adaptable than we ever thought possible. And what the the science has shown us is specifically uh, the brain takes auditory information and the auditory information gets rewired into the object recognition parts of the brain. So the same parts of your brain that is imaging, you know, the world around you as patterns of light, those same parts of the brain are functioning in mind and other people's and and it's being done with sound. So there's layers, there's depth, there's nuances. Uh, a, a small room sounds very different than a large cathedral. Mm. Um, we all, we all kind of know the joke is someone's talking on their phone in a bathroom. We can kind of all hear that. And that's because mm-hmm. of the information of, of that room. It's a small space. There's a bunch of hard surfaces. And the sound is reflecting off of that environment. And the brain and people can learn to understand those subtleties in that you know environment. And it, it's pretty it's trustworthy. It's pretty remarkable and to the point where like, wow, if, if, if like, this is where we as humans need to expand our own knowledge and understanding of what it is to see, because the, yes, the brain is imaging with patterns of light and patterns of sound. And so if it's imaging with patterns of sound, that actually means that we are all born with the ability to see in the dark. I'm just blown away. Well, I'm familiar with neuroplasticity, you know, as far as, you know, looking at children affected by trauma or addiction or those types of things. And I follow, you know, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And it's one of those things where when, when, when you're talking about it, it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. That's exactly what I've learned, but I've never crossed over to this, you know, being able to, to see in the dark. That's wow. That's yeah. And that's, and that's really sort of what my life's journey was, was actually conquering the fear of darkness. Mm. Wow. That's, right? it, it, that's deep isn't it, by itself. We've been created in the image of God, mm-hmm. and he's ability. The thing that most of us fear, darkness, the unknown, we have the capacities already internally within our brains and within our makeup to do this. We just haven't been accessing this natural resource, what we all have been born with. Now, is it true that you can ride a mountain bike, like in the mountains? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah, I can ride a mountain bike. And, and it wasn't just me. There's other people who do this also. I've taught other young kids who are visually impaired to echolocate and navigate their bike down a quiet residential street, avoiding cars and curbs. And one of our favorite exercises is to put trash cans in like an alley. <laughs> it's like swallow and then ride your bike around trash cans. And it, and it works like this, right? So I'm going to talk and I'm going to make a sound like a librarian shushing everybody. And I'm going to put my hand in front of my face during that sound. And you're going to hear the sound interrupted. And this is an example of echolocation. Right? I'll mm. do this now. Hmm. 
right? And there's there's a difference, and everybody can try that. Whatever sound they make, they can all just make a sh- and put your hand in front of your face, and you guys can try that now. Put your hand in front of your face, say something, and then bring it down and compare the difference. That 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 difference is subtle, but once the brain goes, aha, I can tell that there's something in front of me just by sound. I don't have to touch it. You're actually hearing it, and then the brain adapts, and it's taking. It's being adaptable, right? Taking the sense of hearing, and then it's actually creating that object recognition. So it's an image. It's a three-dimensional spatial understanding, an image with sound. Is it like and, a, yeah? Is it like a muscle? The more you do it, the the the, the stronger that becomes. It, yeah, it's like a muscle. The brain is a muscle, and this doesn't this this doesn't skill just doesn't develop if you don't try. You don't work it out um and the way we've learned in brain science is is that the way the brain learns and grows is through movement mm. and and you experience this with young infants right they're always shaking they're moving even before they're crawling that's the, the movement is where the brain is growing and integrating and so my biggest journey and challenge at first was to get back up and start moving and experience in this world in the new way, which was really right. So, in in that, in the, this is what was crazy to me. And when I was a young person in the eighth grade hallways, labeled blind, told I have no ability to see, I'm walking with my cane down the eighth grade hallway, and there's open space, and then there's a pillar, and there's open space. I could tell that there were these pillars holding up the ceiling Hmm. and at first i I thought i was seeing it Hmm. well but but we didn't have the language we didn't have the word poetry to be able to talk about the this phenomenon which is later i was being able to tell these things because of echolocation but when i first experienced this they just go oh yeah like a magic power yeah we know that if you lose one sense the other senses get stronger uh we're not quite sure but yeah this there's you know people can sort of do this but so that was it for me i actually my first experience when my brain had adapted pretty quickly early on to me it was confusing because i thought i was seeing things i'd close my eyes Right, the doctors tell me I have no light perception, but yet I can still interact, move around these pillars, and have a real understanding mm. of my space. Huh. And it just was even the general culture didn't even have the understanding to even recognize how cool what I was experiencing. So those first early years, you know, visual impairment really threw me into an identity crisis. Um, because as I was experiencing this new life, the rest of the people around me didn't even have the capacity to understand the miracle of life that was emerging. Mm. Because they go, oh, you're blind. Blind people don't know where things are. They can't do this. They, they know nothing. But yet, my experience was, was proving something you know, very different to where, yeah, I got comfortable at being able to pilot my own body around objects and have an awareness. 
And then, yeah, I was able to walk fast. I was able then to jog. And the next natural step was getting on a bike. And with this awareness of the location, I could then, yeah, ride a bike down a quiet residential street, avoiding cars and curbs and just, just, just cruise. And, and and I wasn't the only one, right? There was a group of us that were also doing this. So there was a team, we called ourselves Team Bat uh, early on. The real Bat. Yeah, yeah. But we wanted to get off the tandem bike and be able to have that freedom to what is it to really pilot your own bike or body through through space and so i was learning a lot really early on about what was possible and you know it was cool you know i think 2001 mountain bike action magazine quoted like i was almost certainly the world's best totally blind mountain biker and to me that was a good life marker of I one day you know when I first lost my vision I thought I was going to live the rest of my life at home with my parents Mm. wow we got to get a bigger house because Brian's going to be with us for a long time Mm. and in short years I had grown so much and and you know was able to you know academically be competitive again and but the mountain biking thing really was a reminder of it, 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 that it challenged all preconceived ideas about what I thought was possible for myself and others. You know, just speak, was, speaking to the general public, speaking to the voice of the lion listener, right? And they're going through something rough. The reason that you were even able to do this is because you didn't quit, because you kept making that step after the next step, and, and, and things became clearer to you as to where your life was going to go and what you were going to be able to do. But it all started with you not curling up into a ball and quitting. It started with you going back to school and you never would have saw those pillars if you just would have been a person that quit because of the the negativity or the valley that you now found yourself in. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I talk about it now, you know, different in hindsight, but during that time, I thought about giving up. Mm. Yeah, human thought nature. Of, yeah, I, it was really like, it's super challenging. But here's, but as the visual world quieted, became less stimulating, I was stuck on a couch. I had actually atrophied. I couldn't do one push-up. All mm. I did was coach, listen to books on tape. And, and there in that quiet, I had soul craving and and it activated this conversation with the spirit of life that there was something, a louder voice that I had connected with that said, yeah, you're kind of in one way. You're already like my future was gone, right? If I'm stuck on the couch, not doing anything, there's no future here, but the soul craving spoke louder and I said yes to those and that's why I kept trying that that was it right why did I choose to try many days I woke up I didn't want to I didn't feel like it but there was something deeper that said get up and go and that was the most beautiful thing in this experience is I started a conversation with the creator of life 
through the whole cravings. And I tapped into that frequency. And, and then God, Jesus, the spirit of life, became my coach. Mm. And that was the voice that I said yes to when society was telling me, you're blind, don't move, we'll do it for you. Mm. Like, it, uh, those first early years really was the social atmosphere. It was like I was in this desert of disbelief. Mm. Like, that was, the, that was actually the hardest part. There was nothing physically difficult about not being able to see. I can use a computer. It'll talk to me. I can learn to read Braille. I can use a cane. I can learn to use my ears more strategically. That, that's all pretty straightforward. The hardest part was now one day people saw me as a person who could see, and then they were treating me the next very differently. Mm. And so the larger culture was actually conditioning me for learned helplessness. So now you've helped several other people that have lost sight um, in many different situations, but you also work with professional athletes. Can you just touch on that and how you do that? Yeah, like my business is Acoustic Athletics. You can follow us on Instagram, Acoustic Athletics, or Brian Bushway, and the website, AcousticAthletics.com. And, and I, see, this is a human thing. Like, this isn't just a visual impairment thing. This is how do we as all humans use our senses better. And I, I actually had friends who were athletes who started coming to me and going, Brian, I think we could benefit from the things you're doing. And so, of course, right? I, I play soccer. You put a ball in a plastic grocery bag. Now that soccer ball rustles and makes noise. When I went to Malawi, Africa on a missions project, like, because I, I just brought plastic bags with me. And so, therefore, I was able to play football with all the kids in the village. Mm -hmm. Just making, learning how to make the world accessible for myself. Um, and, and so, the, so, yeah, with athletes, so this is not just like, oh, it's not how to be a better you know, visually impaired person. You guys, everybody, can actually learn to see in the dark. We can learn to use our other senses better. So with professional athletes, we found the reason why they're so good and professional is they're genius in the way they use their whole body. And it turns out that vision is an important part in performance, but really balance proprioception where is your hand in relationship with space in your body these are sense right we call it the sense of balance the proprioception sense even we have language says the sense of intuition right so we sort of loosely connect some of these words that we have these other senses but when you talk when you look at athletes they're just using their other senses and they train their body and their brain to excel, to be able to do the task at what they're doing. And yeah, so from all my work, working with the visually impaired community, helping people have the freedom to move and reintegrate their, you know, their understanding of how they're moving 
well, yeah, it's, it's a very easy connection to help an athlete become better at how they're moving. And, and we've all, like, a cool example is this. Like, we don't need, and we don't even understand the full story of how our other senses are used in sports. The cool one is tennis. Right, we're all familiar with the tennis when they hit the ball and make the grunting sound. Well, hmm. yeah, this is the sound of exertion, but really, science has measured they're making that grunting sound to create a masking sound so that the opponent cannot hear the ball come off the racket. Huh. Because if you can hear the ball come off the racket, you have that millisecond of additional information where your body knows where to go in space. Do I need to go further to the left, further mm. to the right? And and that's why they're making that sound is to, to you know to make it more difficult, right? Remember, the human eye has its limitations too. Things can travel faster than your eye can process. And when it comes into sports, this is this whole concept of perception and action. Like a baseball, a pitcher, when they throw a pitch and then the batter hits the ball right back at the pitcher, that's happening so fast that that pitcher doesn't have time to think, oh, what's happening? The ball is coming at me. What do I need to do? If, you, if he's thinking about it, it's too late. So they they've trained their body to just interpret what they're perceiving and to take action, and we all can get better at that. And then even the example of like in baseball, Mookie Betts in the Dodgers was an outfielder. He picked up a new practice recently where he was in the outfield and he'd have his back turned to home plate, and just by hearing the ball come off the bat. He knew how far that ball was going to travel and what angle did he need to go to the, or to the left. Mm -hmm. So there's information embedded in all of these other like clues. And then it turns out, you know, with the auditory system and the muscle memory system, that the, the, the sound in the, in the auditory is in the temporal lobe. So there, it's a, it's a, it's a direct connection. Sound is super informative of where to move in space and in time, like rhythm. So it's, it's a quicker response. It's so, a right. So there's this whole untold story in professional sports. These guys are geniuses running on the field doing this. Well, they're genius in how they're using their whole body. They're genius in the way in which they're using their all of their senses to the fullest capacity. And that's what's cool, right? Like, and that's what I learned was, oh wow, we can actually train our brain and body to to do this to get better at all of these things. And so that's what how we got into the world of professional athletes is they came to me, started asking. And then as we got deeper into it, we started realizing, yeah, there's a lot of these untold stories of how these people are actually good at what they do. And so we help them in teams and individuals. So we help all people, right? So using, and so most, 
Using your mm-hmm. story, if we go back, right, and you were in a true valley, you continued forward. If we were going to look at someone who was abused, and, and that could be mentally, sexually, physically, uh, and they find themselves in a valley, or somebody loses a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or and I'm just thinking during these times, the rough valleys that people go through. Someone loses an arm or a limb. Someone comes back from the military and, and, and they're, they're injured or they're, they've suffered burns. Your story speaks to all of those people on how they can adapt and become more. And, and it could be anything for, as simple as a breakup that's just so temporary to permanent um, just injuries that someone has suffered. Talk to those people right now going into the new year. If you find yourself in a valley, what does Brian have to say? For me, most of my navigating these valleys, these low points, was really the practice of being grateful. Mm. Coming back to what I could be for. Right? Really, like, you know, in a way, the thorn in my side is that most people don't have the experience to go, oh, wow, it makes sense why Brian could ride a mountain bike. Right, it's a it's basically a social misunderstanding because the average person doesn't know or they haven't connected that yes, we can overcome anything that comes our way. Right, the scripture all over says it's like we're exactly where we need to be to learn the things we need to be at the time, mm-hmm. and 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 I became I had it. I developed this quick response to practice gratitude, to reset, you know, what my values and what was important as a young person that really served me through the rest of my life was, right, is pretty cool. Like, I can come back and be grateful. Wait a second, right? And this was even, the, this is even the, like, the faith crisis around me. Everybody around me, of course, was praying. But they were praying for me to see with patterns of life. But they were asked that those prayers were limited to their own experiences. In actuality, God had a bigger plan. He says, Brian, of course I'm going to answer all of these prayers. I'm going to teach you to see in ways beyond what most people will currently understand. You go, Brian, you don't need to see with patterns of life. You're going to learn to conquer the fear of darkness. You're going to see in the dark. Wow. Right? I was like, whoa! So he answered all the prayers, but everybody had put God in a box. Mm. They were actually thinking of how gracious God is in our life, right? He's, he get, And it was true. I had everything I needed to do to be a whole person. And right, and that was the other thing I started like thinking about. What does it mean to be a whole person? And and, and that's really been the bigger sort of life philosophy question. And anytime I'm engaging with people I meet for the first time or people I've known for a while, we're all in that sort of identity question of what does it mean to be a whole person? And our insecurities will start chipping away at that. And before you know it, we're kind of lost. We're kind of out of alignment. 
mm. with our internal sense of self. So I, so I was lucky to start a lot of internal framework and a lot of thinking, but it really established from, you know, being grateful and, and, be, and just sort of being thankful that, wow, he did provide, even though the rest of society was telling me this isn't possible, this isn't true, sit down. Mm. Yeah. Right? I, it, it, so I really didn't have courage because m- me moving around with a white cane causes social chaos, right? It makes other people uncomfortable because they go, oh my God, he's going to fall off a curb. How's he going to cross the street? And that really shows everybody else's lack of understanding of how we truly have been built. Mm. And, and so there was the miscommunication, the misalignment of, of me and relating to the larger culture is that, wow, my ability and freedom to move causes enough tension in a room where people would rather have me stay put because huh. comfortable. <laughs> that is, right? and so, that like, is so awesome. So started with just gratitude and, and then, you know, and it wasn't easy, like by any means, right? The, the, the stuff has taken a long time to, to to come to be here. There were good days, there were bad days, there were okay days. Most days were okay. And, you know, I guess the reason my positivity comes back to the sense of, oh, wait a second, I got to remember that story. I learned how to ride a mountain bike. You know, when I thought my I would never ride a bike again. Wow. So and, yeah. you just you keep mm-hmm. making the next step, and then you stay positive in that and find the the positivity. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. What's next for Brian? I, what are you doing next? You have a you have a plan for the future for other people. Tell me what that is. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would. The plan for the future is to help all people better understand that, like, when we go in these valleys and these difficult obstacles or these new life transition points, we may not have the direct answer of how to move through these difficult times, but having a posture of hope that yes, there is more life. There is good beyond what currently we could be experiencing in our moment. And, and so what next is helping other, everyone else understand this. Uh, I want to train all sports teams. I want to speak to all people that help you know, get us all to the next level of, right? Acoustic athletics, we have this idea is that, we, you know, our little phrase is, we have a new pace for the human race. Huh. So good. We have new pace for the human race. And when I say pace, perception, action, cognitive enhancement. Mm, that's good. Pace, race. We can change our brain. We can change our brain. We can change our lives. We, it, it, so a lot of times when we go through difficult things, we look for outside things to help us navigate it. Mm -hmm. But what I, is we've already been gifted with everything we currently need. We just have to have the right relationship with life internally to 
to, to see those moments, to see where is life in the beyond, or to at least hope for it. It, 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 and that became like the exciting thing. So where, yeah, the future is just sharing, training more people, teaching people about, like, man, if we understood that we were really like, isn't it cool? Like, it's pretty cool to me that like, we really don't have to fear when the lights are off. Like, that's kind of a myth, right? Like, if we, we will hang out more. But remember, I function with the same 100% confidence whether the light switch is on or off. And everyone else in life is still looking for the light switch. Mm. So, right, so it's a, like, in a way, like, I, I've sort of transcended to another place and in, in just helping everyone else come to terms with this. Yeah, anyone can learn the skill. But really, it comes back to this alignment of what does it mean to be a whole person? Mm. And the other thing, too, like early on, like one of the wisdoms from my mom in those early years, and this wisdom really echoed loudly through my whole being and sense of self is I was in a a down moment. And I'm like, Mom, like, like, what matters? What does this mean? Why? And she said with the greatest mother intuition wisdom, she goes, Brian, everything that matters in life is all still here. It's your ability to have relationships with people. Mm. It's your ability to have relationships with people. And me being 2020 or not being 2020 with patterns of life or quote unquote, being blind, that has no bearing on my life on whether or not how good my relationships can be with people, mm-hmm. right? I, I still have the infinite potential to be as good at what matters most, and the value is relationships. And, it, and that's Jesus' economy. Jesus' economy is an economy of relationships. And so... I was also super hopeful, right? That perspective that I am not limited in what matters most in life. So I I can experience and be a whole person. That's so good. It's like a, a plus, right? plus one. We, <laughs> if, if we all can understand that, then we're like, being hopeful for the future is some of the most powerful frequencies and energies to keep us moving into the next day. Who should reach out to Brian? I know it's a business that you have, and uh, I'm, I'm a team owner. I'm a business owner. I have a child with disability. Who should who who should reach out to Brian? Brian. Everybody. In a sense, anyone who's going through a time or a team of transition, mm. like of the come to your sales team or your group or, or anybody else, you know, it, there's so many different. Like, yeah, I'm a teacher. I talk about using the sense of hearing in new ways, but there's so many more aspects in life of how we can develop to have a you know, a successful 
mindset. What about what is the attitude of success? Mm. Right. Sometimes it is about acquiring new skills, but what are the underlying motivations for us to keep moving forward? Mm. And so a lot of the stories when I do speak to, you know, I've I've given lots of talks to corporations, you know, sales teams, insurance salesmen, and and even them making sales calls. Guess what? Most people are distracted because they have 10 different windows up on their computer and they're really truly not listening to what's being said in the person in front of them. Mm. Once again, relationship skills. So any organization or people who want to develop better relationship skills, yeah, I can teach anyone how to listen to the physical world in new ways. But also, I can help people understand how to listen to our relationships and the people around us in new ways. So if you were going to talk to the whole world, let's do two, two of those. I always end with one, but it's the new year. So we're, we're January 1st, and so many people are setting their New Year's resolutions. I want to hear your advice to the world on the new resolution that they need to do. I would hope that everybody would spend some time to check into those soul cravings. Mm. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? What are those intimate moments in our heart of the dreams we have for the future that we're kind of afraid to share with others? That's the sweet space environment that I'd like people to be brave to then go, wow, when you start that conversation with the spirit of life, that's when it gets more interesting. And so brave, go into those deeper questions of who we want to be, who we want to become. And when you have that conversation with yourself and you have that conversation with God, the world can be whatever it was. And that was the other interesting thing. Like, like I, it was cool that I actually had new dreams placed in my heart, right? The things that I thought I was going to do as a 14 year old are very different than what I now do, you know, later in life. And part of I didn't know that I, I, I didn't even know the things I didn't know. Right. So like, there's more things to look forward to than we even can conceive. And it's the power of the imagination. Right? I love Irwin's, you know, talk in mosaic is that one of the things that separates us differently from other species is like, you know, beavers build dams. You know, bees build hives. People build futures. Mm, our, imag- our imagination is a natural resource that we have been gifted with, that we have to use better. And if we have a conversation of who we want to be, who do we want to become, and you're consulting with the spirit of life, right? And that was the other thing. There was nobody there teaching me how to be the person I needed to be other than God. 
right? At a certain point, everybody else was telling me, well, this is what's done, but it was still too small of an idea for what my soul was screaming loudly to be more of. And that's like my hope to get, have everyone get deep into that conversation. And then when everyone can have their own authentic conversation with God, well, he's going to be the best teacher possible and he will lead us into new ways. So good. Well, that, that, that leads me to my, my final question. If you could talk to the whole world at once, everybody, and you were to tell them one thing from, from just deep inside you, what would you tell them? Listen. The universe was created because God spoke. And those vibrations of how he spoke moved all of the atoms and particles and air molecules and created life. So our fundamental sense is sound, listening. And God can speak to us in many different frequencies. And if we don't feel we're hearing from God, then it means we need to tap into our next sense and listen to where he's calling us next. So listen to where God is moving and calling. So good. You know what I got out of that was, uh, and thank you, but what I, what I just heard you say is so many people are looking for God and maybe what they need to do is be listening for God. So yeah. good. Brian, yeah. what a privilege it is to have met you in person. Um, we look forward to doing it again. But what a privilege it is to have you on the podcast. And uh, I just know that your story is going to impact people in a way that, you know, you, you, the man complains about having no shoes until he meets the man that has no feet. And you don't make excuses. Uh, your positivity and your 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 drive for giving hope is just huge, and I know that this new year uh, it's going to inspire people to make a leap of faith that maybe otherwise they were unwilling or unable to do. So thank you so much. Yeah, I thank you both for your questions and your time. And it's I mean, it's interesting, right? These are like the good life questions to have. To me, I still marvel in some of these things. And it, yeah, it's, it's not like everything's okay and great and super positive. No, by any means. Like, my life is always faced with new challenges. But what we can as people develop is the confidence that we have the internal framework and access to resources like our imagination like the fact that our brain can adapt to new challenges, but even the resource of talking with God, right? Why not consult the most, you know, his infinite intelligence? Why not consult the smartest thing that can help us? And that's what I view as a young person became open to quickly in my life. And I said, yes do that in my life moves faster, quicker, and sort of, you know, have some interesting, you know, things develop. 
Well, thank but, you so, yeah. so much. So good. Yep. We're, we're going to put your links below so people can link in and figure out how to get in touch with you. Um, yeah, and I'm just going to tell our listeners, I love listening to him on this podcast, but if you get around him in person, there's an electricity that <laughs> just sparks you. And uh, I encourage everyone to, to just uh, find a way to meet with Brian and have him come talk to your people. Um, it, yeah, move it, you. Yeah, in in the thing like that, I like if I have a life passion, my life passion has been music. I've been creating and writing songs for a long time, and I play music in a cool rock and roll band. And if you want to see the fun side of me, the mischief side on the stage mm-hmm. of rock and roll, then everybody can go to Angel City Fiddle Squad. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Angel City Fiddle Squad is my rock and roll band. And so that's where I'm amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said, we're going to have all the links below. Uh, do reach out. Tell your friends. And there, there's somebody that this podcast is going to impact or that maybe they're, they think they're going through a valley and all they're doing is going through a, through a gutter. And uh, we, we want to lift up people and... Uh, find uh, inspiration, guidance, and the strength through Brian's story. So thanks again, Brian. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes. Have a good evening. Thank you. Hey, we are so thankful that you listened to today's podcast. We hope that you got a lot out of it. Will you do us a favor and share it with friends and family? Let them know that you care about them. Someone that could use some inspiration, guidance, and strength in their life through the stories of the people that we talk to. Listen, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, I will see you on the better side of you.